Hi, and thank you for joining us for episode number 17 of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Jans. On the Jelly Marketing Podcast, we ask global industry leaders from world-class brands to share their best practices, stories, innovations, and more to help you move your agency, business, or organization ahead. Our topic for today is branding and creativity. Our guest, Dylan Staniel, is from BurnKit, where he is a partner and creative director. Stay tuned to the end of the interview, where we find out what our guest likes to spread on his toast. Episode number 17, here we go. Hi, Dylan. Thanks for joining me on the Jelly Marketing Podcast. Hey, Rod. Thanks for having me. Dylan is the part owner and creative director at BurnKit. And uh, just grabbing a, a description off of your LinkedIn account, it says that BurnKit is a design agency. We provide services for branding, graphic identity, interactive, and print design. And um, yeah, it's just yeah. a real pleasure to talk to you. I've known about BurnKit almost since the very beginning of the company. I worked with, I've done wow. some work with you guys in the past and with Josh, right? Almost almost since he opened the doors. So, <laughs> wow. yeah, I've known about you guys for a while. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's ancient history already. <laughs> Normally, we're talking about marketing. And as Dylan and I discussed before we started recording, uh, BurnKit isn't a design agency per se, but so many of the things that they work on get used in marketing. So I'm going right. to talk about, or I'm going to focus more on design, I think, and branding in our conversation than we will on on marketing. So good, thank that's you. The, <laughs> that's the direction we're heading. Um, so, when did you first get interested in creative design? Well, I mean, I was always the I was the the kid that was the drawer in class. I guess you'd say I was that kid. Um, yeah. So I've always been interested in things visually, but um, I didn't know there was you know such a thing called graphic design until much later so it's something um well there is a story i i uh i ended up um when i was in university i ended up walking into a design studio uh with a friend who who knew the owner and uh that kind of opened my eyes that oh man there's um there's a whole world here and a career path for someone that likes visual things that you know that isn't just fine art or or architecture let's say so um yeah i sort of found out about it and then um grasped onto that as something I could do. What were you taking at the time in university? Sounds like it wasn't um, it yeah, wasn't graphic think, design at the time. <laughs> no, no. It was uh I was taking a lot of um uh English and uh and classics actually. I um uh, I kind of thought maybe I'd be um you know, maybe uh, archaeologist or something like that. Um but um um yeah, no, I I, I found uh, you know, I kind of discovered design as something that was you know, a whole world, like I said, in a career path. So um, then I explored that, and I, I went on to design school after. Okay, cool. So you did go to design school eventually. I did, yeah. I went to design school, and, um, you know, that's where you um, kind of formulate a lot of uh, ideas about how you can focus, you know, that career, that uh, that creative energy that you have and what you want to apply it to. And um, so, yeah, it was uh, that's the kind of thing that sort of defined my kind of, my my approach to what I wanted to do business wise. So, yeah. So that that's kind of what happened school wise uh, in terms of getting me to what I ended up doing. 
Yeah, what ultimately made you make that decision? Because you were obviously heading in another direction. What was the, do you remember the moment where you thought, oh, I think I'm going to go to design school and maybe pursue that as a business? Do you, do you recall well, what that was like? Honestly, that little story I told you when I walked into that design studio way back when and, um, and I kind of saw what was going on there, it suddenly kind of all clicked. That planted the seed, huh? Yeah, I mean, I was a typical young guy. You know, when I was a kid, I liked comic books and drawing and, uh, and visual things that way. But, um, you know, you know, then I, then I thought about fine art as something I could do, but I never really, you know, felt like that was a passion. And then when, um, when this thing, you know, when this graphic design thing kind of, you know, came before me and I, and I thought about it, I thought, wow, that's something I could, I could think about and understand this idea of really graphic visuals and the idea of telling a story. And, and, and so that excited me. And so that drove me into, um, a design program after that. Yeah. And just tell me a little bit more about your path. What was your path like to where you ended up at Burnkit? As I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile here, I see you had yeah. some other, jobs along the way but just just quickly tell us that story like how did you end up at, eventually end up owning part of Burnkit? well i um right out of design school i i you know was working immediately um and the first you know the, the first job i had at a, at a firm was great and um i just um i just said yes to everything even if i didn't know how to do it i just said yes i can do that yes i can work on that and i just I just took on as much as I could and just tried to learn uh, as much as I could as quickly as I could and and I just always kind of felt I wanted to do my own thing and it wasn't very long before I was trying to do my own projects and started my own company and um and um then you know I at a certain point had grown that company for a while and um um and then, you know, Josh and I had met years before, uh, met years after, and uh, we were actually neighbors in a studio uh, building together where there, we had our studios side by side. And, uh, yeah, so eventually we kind of joined up years after. But, um, yeah, the idea of working for myself was kind of always kind of there from the beginning. So um, that's, I think I'm doing this just because I have to. I don't think I could work for anybody. I don't think they'd have me. <laughs> It's funny that you mentioned that. I'm coming from a networking meeting this morning, and uh, we had that discussion. It's, it was all entrepreneurs, and they were all saying, I, I, most of them were saying, I don't think I could work for anybody else. So well, I think, I think a lot of people who start their own businesses kind of fall into that, that category. I think you just get to a point where you just can't do anything else. Like there's no other choice you decide, and so so that's what you do. You quit your job, and you start something, so... For me, anyways, it wasn't. There was no logic to it. It was really about that. So, tell us about some of the things that that Burnkit does. What are some of the the, uh, the services that you provide? As you as you said, um, um, brand is really where our design is applied. So, branding is kind of key to everything that we do here. Um, and and what that means for us is uh, is really the core of what a business or an organization. Uh, is about and helping them convey that uh, usually through a graphic identity at its center and then through um, a system that kind of revolves around that and then there are key applications that help that group communicate uh, with whom they need to so obviously a uh, website is key and so you know I like to 
say, uh, you know, flippantly, when people ask what we do, it's like brand and a website. That's really kind of the core. But then mm-hmm. there's all kinds of other applications that come from that as well. So it could be print, it could be packaging, it could be could be other things, could be campaign, uh, could be outdoor even. Uh, but but for the most part, it's brand and then bringing that brand to life online. That's sort of the the service, I guess, that we provide for companies. I want to come back to that and probably focus on that for the rest of the interview is just what, you know, maybe you could tell us about, give us some tips on good branding and, and that sort of thing. And, um, I have just one question that's on the tip of my brain here on the tip of my tongue. And, uh, so my, my impression of brand kit or of, uh, of burn kit brand is kit. that that's a good slip right there. Brand kit. Brand kit. <laughs> is that, like how do, how does Burnkit market itself? Like how does your own marketing and sales process go? Because my own impression of it is that you guys just kind of focus on doing really awesome work, and yeah. over the years, over the years, uh, you've just you know you've grown your business through through word of mouth and just by doing really good work. Is that is, is my impression correct? <laughs> yeah, there is truth to that. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean we're not like all of our clients in the sense that like we are kind of a, a B2B, um, you know, and a service type business, but when thinking about it as business and marketing, but, but really what we've tried to do is, is practice what we preach in that we've, we've formed a brand in terms of what, uh, what burn kit is. Uh, and, and that brand is something that we kind of pay close attention to. So all of the initial touch points that people may come in contact with before they speak to let's say one of us josh or i would would be would be considered and prepared in a way so that people get the right impression in terms of what it is that we're about and what we want to do with with clients and um and so we really spend time curating the work that we put on the website uh the kind of stories that we tell there the anecdotes that are there that that type of character that comes across through something like a website and there are other applications too we do some special print promo pieces that we send out to potential clients, etc. We make sure that all those things are are saying and the right thing and speaking in the right voice. And, and, and that's basically what we do for our clients, too. The applications might be different, but it's the same process. It's, it's about kind of grooming a, a, a brand, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that's worked for us. I mean, that's worked for, for bringing more and more uh, work our way. You know, the work... The work, the kind of work changes a little bit and, and the size of client changes over the years, but it's been the same, the same approach from, from the beginning. It's something I was telling Dylan before we started recording that I've been familiar with Burnkit almost since the beginning. And over the years, it's always been interesting. I, I check in once in a while because I'm always curious about what you guys have done with your website because yeah. every single update is always something kind of kind of cool it seems like you, you've continued over the years to do new and innovative things even on your own on your own website and i'm sure that is something that uh that draws customers to you well i'm glad you say that and and there, and and that's intentional and and the reason it is is um is is web has never been something that that burnt get considered after that you know there's a lot of um ad agencies and design agencies that at a certain point realized, you know, web is important. We're, we're going to need to add this to our, um, our expertise. And for Burnkit, that's always been there from day one. 
when Brinkett opened its doors, that was, you know, that was part of the fabric of the company. And so that idea of not just design expertise, but uh, technical know-how and the ability to make those things work together closely, um, you know, uh, is manifested in our, in our physical workspace. We have, you know, right across from each other uh, and working directly together, uh, a group of designers and then a group of, of tech, you know, our, our, our web team that work really closely, not only designing, but also building uh, the sites. So, so that kind of idea of design and tech, uh, you know, in one company is what we really, uh, is what we really always have been. So that's, that's, that's there in, in our own website too. So um, thank you for noticing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I managed to, I dropped by about a month ago into your offices and it was the first time seeing your, your space. And uh, yeah, it's a really cool, cool space that you've created there. Yeah, it's been important to us, actually. Uh, it's funny, like, you know, a company like ours that's all about, um, you know, brand, as we've been talking about, and, and sort of uh, things that you kind of send out, you know, into the world on their own away from you, and they're not physical, like, you know, they're applied to, to digital environments for the most part these days. Um, but your physical space that you work in, I think, is important, and... Um, um, uh, you know, um, I wrote an article about this that was published in Applied Arts uh, this year, and it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it talked to the point that, you know, you should make your physical workspace kind of work for you, if you will, and that if you are about, you know, you know, you know grids and systems and, uh, and you're about, you know, um, a particular way of seeing the world, let's say I was speaking to design companies in this case, um, you know, your space should look that way. You know, if you're about uh, about kind of more, you know, chaotic creativity and, and you want people to feel that there's something, you know, kind of organic about your process, your space should kind of reflect that as well. So I think those same rules could apply for any kind of business. And that I think uh, workspace is still hugely important in terms of how people like your clients see you, but also the way um, um, the people that work within the company feel about about what the, what it is that they're doing there. So. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's been it's been great for us. When people come into the space, um, I feel like I can um, say less almost because they get mm-hmm. us just by being there. We really encourage people to come down to the studio and have a visit, even if you feel like you're twisting their arm to do it because they're busy. Because once they get here, they um, it clicks. They get what it is that we're about. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is. I'm enjoying this conversation because I've experienced so many of these things firsthand. And um, it was funny because I kept running into Josh in the neighborhood there because I work in the same neighborhood as you guys. And he was always, almost every conversation, yeah, come down for a visit, come down for a visit. And uh, yeah. yeah, so I finally it's, it's, actually yeah. had it. I needed some something designed, so I, I actually stopped by. One, that's why I st- finally stopped by one day. And uh, yeah, I, I can totally see what you're saying. Like you're in my own opinion, you know, and just from what I saw, your workspace is a, is a clear expression of, of what you guys do and of your branding. I, I agree. (laughs) Good. Great that we're on the same page. (laughs) Um, So I, I'm always fascinated with creativity and, you know, you're working with people who have to be creative on an, on an ongoing basis. And even yourself as a, as a creative director, what advice do you have for people and for people who are in, in a creative industry like 
marketing and, and design. Do you have any advice for people on how to, you know, stay on the leading edge of create creativity and to remain uh, creative when it's so important to their jobs? Yeah, I mean, I have to give myself advice all the time. Um, it sounds mm-hmm. weird, but but it, it, you just you have to keep pushing. I think, and you need to allow yourself a little bit of space at the beginning of a new project or you know some kind of new initiative if we're thinking about marketing you know more widely to mm-hmm. let yourself sort of be open to new possibilities let yourself panic a little bit and let yourself kind of be scared at the prospect of trying something that you're not quite sure about and what I what I mean by that is when I when I mean when I say letting yourself go there is like Give yourself the time to go and explore that thing. You can remind yourself that you are going to give yourself a chance to reel it back in. You can do the conservative thing. You know you can do that, right? You've done that before. But to give yourself that time to go and try something that, you know, um, might not work. And, and more often than not, you find that there's something that's really workable in that idea. And, um, and don't be scared about the thought about people laughing at you or about turning it turning an idea down because because you have to you know you have to be prepared to take that rejection um, along with the praise so so that would be my advice it's it's really about not being afraid of 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 going there and wherever that is you know whatever whether it's in our case you know it's about proposing a design that's unusual or or maybe that goes a little bit you know, off the path in terms of what you think the client's expecting. But, you know, that's, I'll, I'll prepare a client uh, in that way so it prepares the way for myself and for my team. I'll, I'll tell them, we're going we're gonna to show you something that's, that you're, you know, that's something that you might expect, but then I think we're going to show you something that's going to that's gonna freak you out a little bit. And, <laughs> and, and, and once they hear that and they know that they're going to get that, more often than not, the client's going to go for that exciting thing because they want to go there too. That's why they came to work with you. They didn't come to work with you to do the same thing. And, and I just need to remind myself that sometimes too because it's, it's, it's more work, but it, uh, it makes the work uh, better and uh, mm-hmm. it's more fun for the studio. And, um, and, you know, and, 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 and it does a better job for the client in the end. So um, mm-hmm. does that sound like good advice? I don't know. <laughs> it does. I th- I can really see the power in that. I I think it. If I reword it correctly, or what I'm hearing is you're giving yourself permission to fail in a way, like yeah. you know, oh, not you, really. Like, <laughs> no you don't ultimately around. you don't want to fail, but you're just saying, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go for it, and if you know if it gets if the idea gets rejected or whatever, that's that's fine. But it it, it probably just helps open up the the field of creativity, I guess, when you're just not, I, I can see if you don't give yourself that permission, then you're kind of limiting your your creativity True. and 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 sort of that leading edge of of things, right? Can I add one yeah. thing to that? There's two. Parts. Yeah, for sure. There's, I think the idea of 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 op- being open to that to that opportunity to try something that might not be right but could be great is something I've probably always done. I don't. Hmm. But then along the way, you learn um, techniques, if you will, right? You learn a, a, a way of uh, of improving your practice, if you will, about how you do that. And so 
if you can do the first part and you can remind yourself to do that, there are ways that you can apply that uh, that that improves the the chance of success, if you will. So, for instance, what we've done over the years and I've become better at is is yes, prepare like crazy, do your homework, work your ass off to prepare these ideas that you want to share with people, and then when you bring them in to see these ideas for the first time, don't over-curate what you're presenting. Um, pull back the curtain, if you will, and let them see almost everything in terms of the process that you've gone through. And then what happens at that moment is that they drop their guard, they're less defensive about what it is that they're there to critique, in their opinion, if that's the way they came in the room, and they start to involve themselves in the process because they can see the trials and errors that you've gone through to get to the things that you really want to um, interest them in. And then they're mm-hmm. part of that process. So why I'm saying that is it's also a good way to encourage yourself to be creative because in a way you've let the pressure off yourself from failing because you can't really fail in that moment, right? They're in mm-hmm. there w- with it, with you in the process and then you're coming out uh, coming up with an answer together, if you will. So um, it's a bit of a um, it's a bit of <laughs> it's a bit of a cheat in terms, you know what I mean. But but I think if you if you if you lower um, your you know your your anxiety in terms of this idea of being like a on or off or a win or a lose, and it's more about a discussion, then I think mm. more often than not you get people to come along with you in that in that conversation. So. Hmm, that's really that good. Sounds- so there's <laughs> there's some method there's a method to your madness, and you're trying to get them on, you know, to 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 work together really. When you explain the process, and you don't try to skew their opinion going into it, you know, like oh, I'm not I'm not so sure about this, but just to pull the curtain back, and then yep. get their real honest opinion, then you can it it's easier for you to work together. Yeah, because in the end, you want the same thing. You want them to take ownership of what you're proposing. Because if, if they don't, it's garbage anyway, right? You could you could come up mm-hmm. with the best idea, and if they're not going to use it, it's worthless, right? That's some, one thing I try to remind the team here is that um, this you know this is a business, and like we're doing this for businesses or organizations or or whatever they are, and so mm-hmm. it has to have a use, and that doesn't mean it needs to be you know, uh, watered down, uh, it needs to be strong. You want people to, to take notice. You want people to be, you know, uh, alarmed even by some of the things that we're proposing, but, and, and you want to shake up their, you know, their sense of, you know, of, you know, their expectations, but, but at the same time you need them at the end to take ownership. Right. So, yeah. Well, we're coming to the close of our time here. I was going to get you some some branding tips for you, from you, but maybe <laughs> I could put you on the spot here and just sure. say, what, what do you think is maybe the biggest branding mistake people make? The key with branding is more than what you add, it, it's what you take away. And if you can remove all the distractions from the few core things that your brand can really say for you effectively, then you're doing a service to, to what it is that you're you're about your company, whatever it is, your program, mm-hmm. um, the effort that you're making. So your brand needs to go out there in the world and say those few things for you when you're not there to do it yourself. And you can't overload that brand with too many messages. And it's about being simple. That might sound, you know, elementary in terms of branding uh, 101. But 
but but but that's really I think true and and I'd say that that's really our approach here is about looking at what it is that a brand needs to say and and staying close to those that really kind of core thing and then and then you know I think that that that's the best first step you can make in terms of your brand uh, it's mm-hmm. just kind of eliminating the background noise so that 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 one message gets through and really all your brand is doing is starting the conversation it's not a finish you know um, for most organizations it's the people and it's working with those people and it's the product when someone interacts with it use it that's the rest of the experience that's that's much of the experience or maybe most of the experience but the brand needs to just start that conversation off in the right way and, uh, mm. and that that's the way I think about it that's great. That's a quotable quote, I think, for this interview is that your brand is a conversation starter. <laughs> it starts the it conversation. Right. <laughs> yeah, very good, very good. And I had a firsthand experience of this this weekend. We were up in Asoyos and we visited some wineries. And, yeah. I, um, you know, one winery that we went to was just totally classy and simplistic and not a lot of signage and verbiage all over the place even where they had their wines displayed they didn't have price tags or anything around it you know they had the prices elsewhere but they didn't everything was displayed so simply right and then we went to another winery and their wine was great but you know the first thing you saw was a sign in the window that said don't take any photographs of the pictures inside as you walk up to the to the winery and then they had price tags stuck on with tape over top and you know (laughs) their their wine was really good it was amazing but it was just um the contrast of the two places you know it it kind of spoke to their it did speak to their brand one was really simple and classy and elegant and and uh probably attractive to a to the kind of clientele they wanted and then the other one even though their wines was great were great and it was a good the tasting was a good experience the other things around you know, the trappings were, were not uh, all yeah. that inviting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you know, what you're talking about is like all that stuff got in the way of, of that thing that you want to say, which was the wine was good. And if they just if they just paid attention to some of these things that, you know, you know, almost turned me off, um, the, the potential that could turn someone else off, right, before they even got a chance mm-hmm. to kind of experience the wine. But And the other thing you're talking about is at the other place, I mean, my take on it is like, you know, you had an authentic experience there that was simpler and it, you felt like you weren't being sold to maybe as much. And I think that's that's our pr- approach as well is that it's really about letting the core brand kind of kind of speak for your for your business and uh, and and not using, you know, a lot of uh, salesy jargon or 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 promotional components to to move to to kind of uh share the story about the brand but allow it to be about the real things that it does and um, mm-hmm. uh, i think that's important good well we're going to move into our lightning round here i'm just going to ask you okay. a few quick questions it's okay. a few uh, several questions that we ask everyone that's on the jelly marketing podcast and uh yeah thank you so much for sharing all that information with us that was great to hear about your what you think about creativity and branding i think that was really i hope that's really helpful to our listeners i I'm pretty sure that it will be. So our first question is, and it does, the answer does not have to be jelly, by the way. Uh, okay. Because we're the Jelly Marketing Podcast, what do you like to spread on your toast? I'm kind of, jeez. Uh, um, well, you start with butter, for sure. And then maybe you put some jam on top of that. 
That's right. That's pretty traditional. That's pretty awesome. That's good. Blackberry jam. Oh, blackberry jam. Nice. Yeah. That's that's your favorite, huh? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Not peach. Good. That's horrible. (laughs) And uh, what do you do to handle stress? I um I'm pretty good with stress. I think I I have a I have kind of um, a fetish with uh, old cars and uh, so or a hobby, you might call it. And and uh, I can get in um, a vintage car that I have and and go for a cruise and not think about anything else, and that makes me feel good. Uh, But um, you know, uh, stress is something I think you have to just kind of use, right? And 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 let it drive you, and then and then when you're done, you're done. And uh, a beer at the end of the day helps too, by the way. <laughs> and you're in a neighborhood where they're opening more and more craft brew places, so you have much, so many more choices. <laughs> There's so much beer. I don't know. I don't know where it's all going. It's incredible. But there, there, we are in a golden age of beer. Yes. And uh, are you an iPhone person or an Android person? Oh, iPhone person. I've been like a Mac person since, you know, I started working on computers at all. And so that's why I ended up, yeah, iPhone, definitely. Not because I'm like some kind of a, uh, you know, Apple fan in, in any in any way other than just that's what I use. And uh, it's always mm-hmm. been part of uh, my work. So it was the natural way to go. It's compatible with your Mac, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Do you have a favorite app on your iPhone? Uh, my favorite app right now is one we're working on. Uh, we have a little uh, business that we've created that uh, is going to be uh, uh, iPhone app based business, and uh, uh, so that's my favorite. But I can't tell you anything about it because it's top secret. <laughs> Good. Well, make sure you do. Send me a, lo- a note when you when you can reveal it. You've, you've certainly okay. got my curiosity going. We can do another interview <laughs> then. It's going to be amazing, but you don't know okay. what it is. Okay. Let's do it. I like that idea. And do you have a favorite life or business hack to share? Some shortcut loophole that makes your life easier? I don't really know what that means. Um, <laughs> do you, you mean like something I like to do just personally that makes my life easier in terms of work? or? Um, yeah, work or life or something that you could share with people that you found that makes your life better. Um, I think what makes my life better is... Um, you just can't um, take yourself too seriously, I think. I think you have to work hard and you really have to, you know, care about what you do. But at the end of the day, you just can't, you can't let it become everything. And you just have to kind of let things go. And um, nothing's ever going to go perfectly, but, but, but most things probably will if you're, if you're interested in making it happen. So I think you just have, I think you just have to let some things go. That's all. That's not really a good loophole, is it? It's just sort of... Uh, that's my approach. I think that's really helpful. I, I think that could be really helpful. I think it's a reminder that we often need is just not to take things, take ourselves so seriously in particular. Yeah. It's not <laughs> that serious. It really is. Yeah. yeah. And I know there's so many things to choose from, but uh, just for the purposes of this interview, do you have a cause or a charity that's near and dear to you? I don't have like an abstract cause. That's something that I'm working on right now. I have a five-year-old boy. He's kind of a cause right now. <laughs> so that's kind of where my focus is. He, he just started his first day of kindergarten um, yesterday. And so it's kind of been the center of my world for a couple of weeks thinking about that. So it's kind of a nice moment. So I'm, my cause is, um, is just uh, getting it, you know, is kind of getting him started in school, um, uh, 
because for me that those first few years uh, elementary school were um, were pretty great. So I want him to have that too. So I, that's where my brain is at right now. Although I know that's selfish, but but that's where I my head's at. That's awesome. There's no better cause than your children. That's for sure. That's great. And if people want to reach out to you or find out more about BurnKit, where should they go? Uh, BurnKit.com. Um, pretty easy. And um, have a look at what we're doing. You, you know, you'll be able to see some recent work. As soon as you arrive on the landing page, you'll see a few articles talking about, you know, some interesting things that have happened that maybe aren't, um, you know, just about a particular project, but uh, some news and uh you know things like that. That's that's the best way. Take a look at take a look at the website, and then they can give Josh or I a call. Be happy to answer any questions. And what's the anticipated time frame for the release of the app? Can you tell us that? <laughs> <laughs> or is it totally top secret? Is, is even that top secret? I, I think it's going to be. What are we? We're we're September before the end of the year, before the end of 2016. So that's the plan. So great. Well, so I watch can't tell for that. You anymore. Or okay. have, to, have to kill you, as they say. We'll have links to all of the things that you mentioned in the um, in the show notes when we release this interview. And and thank you so much for taking the time to join me today, Dylan. Oh, it's fun. I, I hope I hope there's something worthwhile in there. Uh, I appreciate it very much. It was fun. Well, thanks again to Dylan Staniel from BurnKit for joining us on the 17th episode of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. If you'd like to check out some of the show notes and links from this episode, go to the Jelly Marketing Podcast page at jellymarketing.com and you'll find us under the blog tab of the website. Also, be sure and check us out on iTunes and leave a comment and a rating. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. You can fly This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.